Few consumers bother to read those small nutrition figures on the back of boxes in the grocery store. But a recent study found a surprisingly effective way to get people's attention when it comes to counting calories. Once again, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks again, Chris. Our guest is Sarah Bleich, an associate professor in the Department of Health Policy and Management at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, and she was the lead author of this study. Professor Bleich, you were studying essentially how to get nutrition information to sink in to the average person, right? That's right. So what we're interested in doing is figuring out if we give kids information about the number of calories in a bottle of soda and we do it in an easily understandable way, does that have a bigger impact on their purchasing behavior? And so what we did is we went into corner stores located in Baltimore City, which is in Maryland, and we hung up four different pieces of information one at a time on the beverage cases. And the first said that a bottle of soda has 250 calories, which is what you would see now if you picked up a typical bottle of soda. That's 20 ounces. And the second three signs took that exact same 250 calorie piece of information and just translated it. So one said 16 teaspoons of sugar, one said 50 minutes of running, and one said five miles of walking. Each sign was up for about two weeks, one at a time in six different stores. And we looked at when kids saw the sign, did it impact their purchasing? And in fact, it did. How much did it impact it? The most influential sign was miles of walking. And kids that saw that sign purchase fewer calories, they were less likely to buy a sugary beverage, they were less likely to buy a large volume sugary beverage greater than 16 ounces, and some of them, in fact, walked out of the store without buying anything. Now, you chose low-income teens for this study, right? Why did you choose them? We did. The studies focused on low-income black adolescents in an urban environment, and the main reason is minority adolescents and low-income adolescents are at higher risk for obesity, and they also consume a lot of sugary beverages. But a natural question is, would these results be generalizable to other groups? And I certainly think the answer is yes. And the main reason for that is that the problem of not knowing a whole lot about calories is a universal problem in the United States. It's not just limited to minority teens. And the problem of not being able to do mental math and understand if something is 250 calories, how does that fit with the 2,000-calorie diet, is something that most Americans are not good at doing. So I think that if you gave people, anyone, these easily understandable nuggets of information, it could have an impact on behavior. In fact, it's possible that the effect we observed among black adolescents might actually be conservative relative to the rest of the country because typically for adolescents as compared to adults, health is not quite as important to them in their everyday decisions. But if we did the study, say, among middle-income white women, we might see a huge effect or at least bigger than what we're observing among the kids. Food and beverage companies stand to lose many millions of dollars in sales if something like this was ever mandated by the government. So do you think there's any chance of that? This is the million-dollar question. I think the answer is yes. We know that as part of the Affordable Care Act in 2010, the federal government said if you're a chain restaurant and you have more than 20 outlets around the country, you are required to post calorie information. Now we're waiting for the FDA to come out and say how that implementation is going to happen. But putting all that aside, how would this actually work in practice? What you'd have to do is you'd have to have a standardized way of presenting this easily understandable information. So right now, everything is against the benchmark of 2,000 calories for the most part. But why not make it against the benchmark of miles of walking? So you'd go into McDonald's, for example, and you're looking at the menu board, and there's a stick figure, and the stick figure is in a walking motion. And underneath of it, next to the hamburger, it said six miles. And underneath of it, next to the french fries, it said eight miles. So long as you use a standardized way of presenting in every single location, people would understand it, and they could easily digest it, and it wouldn't take up a lot of space on the menu boards. Is there anything that a parent could learn from your study as far as just guiding their kids on making smart nutrition choices? 
Yes. The information may be less important than how you give the information. And what seems to be the case with kids is that this negative thing, in this case, having to walk for five miles, is something that really deters kids from an unhealthy behavior. And so rather than wagging a finger at a kid and saying, stop drinking sugary beverages, simply saying, did you know that if you drink that, you're going to have to walk for five miles to burn it off? That means something to children. And so I think saying it in a way that's going to resonate is something that parents could do that may make their messages more effective. Was there anything in particular in the study that surprised you more than anything else? Yes. The most notable finding and the most unique thing that we found was, as I mentioned, we hung up the signs and observed behavior. And then we also observed behavior once life returned to normal, so once all the signs had been removed from the stores. And we found that for six weeks after the intervention ended, which was the period that we looked at, this learned behavior of buying fewer calories, buying fewer sugary beverages, and buying smaller volume beverages actually persisted, which suggests that the adolescents actually learned something and what they learned stuck with them after the information was removed. Professor Sarah Bleich from the Department of Health Policy and Management at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Is there someplace online where people can learn more? Absolutely. So they can go to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation on their website who funded the study. Well, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. That wraps up this week's show. We hope you'll visit us online at TalkZone.com. And join us next time for another edition of InfoTrack. InfoTrack.